1: Hello, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Lindsay Recknell. Lindsay has a fascinating business and such an important one in these crazy times that we're in. Uh, so we're going to have a look at that in just a minute. But um, firstly, Lindsay, thank you very much for joining me today. It's great to have you along.
0: Yeah, hey, thanks, Ben. It's been uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think you ask really intelligent questions.
1: Oh, now yeah. the pressure's on. Um, so, so for the benefit of listeners, whereabouts are you in this world?
0: I am in Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
1: Oh, roasting in uh, what are you minus ten or something? What 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 do you guys have there?
0: Uh, I'll have you know it's minus twenty three right now without the wind chill. And like we were talking about, I am dreaming of warmer climates. Let me tell you.
1: (laughs) I just I can't wrap my brain around that, but fabulous. so folks, Lindsay specializes in the area of mental health. Uh, and so she's the creator of Mental Health in Minutes, which is a monthly digital download of done for you presentations designed to engage, inspire and increase mental wealth and wellness in your workplace, which I think is an absolutely brilliant idea. So it's, a, yeah, as I said, it's a monthly digital download full of done for you presentations, workbooks, email templates, checklists, etc. Very, very clever. And just, as I said earlier, so important in these times that we've been going through. Uh, So I want to really dive into that, Lindsay, and see how you use it to help employers and employees around the world. But first, something caught my eye when I was looking across your website and that was a philosophy you've got. And it's it's a sort of series of words. And for me, it kind of sets the context of what you're trying to do. So can you maybe guide us through you've got hope, action and creativity combined with confidence and tenacity. Um, What what's your thinking behind that?
0: Such a great question because it really, this philosophy sort of grounds me. And I have to tell you, I, I finished a book one day and I wrote out this philosophy in one sitting. Like it was just like, it all sort of came together and, um, has, has been, the I don't know, North star kind of, I mm-hmm. guess, of how I, how I'm trying to run a business, how I'm trying to live my life and all of those things. So the first thing is hope. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about my story in a little bit, but mm. um, hope comes from a very personal place. It is an actual science, there's evidence to support it. And so when I learned how, how important the power of hope was in our lives, it became my grounding principle but hope without action is just a wish. And so the second word action is all about taking those steps over the things we can control, doing things to move us in the direction of a future better than today. And then creativity, which really has to do with critical thinking and dreaming of the impossible and making it happen. You really need to think outside the box to get to some of these places that maybe are big, hairy, audacious goals or something like that. So those three words um kind of form the foundation but without confidence or that ability in yourself that belief in yourself that you can do the things that you can overcome the challenges that you can continue to be resilient i think you can't do the other things without that level of confidence and then tenacity is that ability to get back up and go again Mm. You know, that, that is the resilience piece. That is the determination and discipline and routine and habit and all of those things. And I think that is the energy management piece of it all. That if you can manage your energy in a way that allows you to continue to move forward and take that action, um, that just sets you up for success.
1: Wow. Brilliant. I love it. And sorry, on the last one, tenacity, I've, uh, I know you're a podcaster and I discovered a podcast recently a series i think it's called we're sorry to inform you it's the the art of rejection something like that where it's just stories of famous people actors business people etc who have just gone through hell to get to the the other side but tenacity is is a common thread there absolutely Mm -hmm. um so yeah can you take us back just give us some context about yourself and then feeding into the formation of mental health in minutes
0: yeah i sure can so this journey for me started about four years ago. Uh, I recognized that I'd lost my hope the day I recognized I got it back. And at that time, I really felt like I'm a reasonably self-aware kind of cat. You know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm paying attention to how I'm feeling and how I'm moving through the world. And it was this big shock to, to, th- to recognize that I'd stopped striving for that future. I'd stopped working for those goals. It was more just status quo. You know, I was going through the motions, going to work, getting groceries, putting on pants, all of those good things, (laughs) but I recognize that I just, yeah, it was just this status quo. And for me, my biggest value is lifelong learning. And my response to things that are bothering me is let's figure out what's wrong and what to do about it. So I started reading and learning and figured out, I learned of this science called positive psychology, Mm -hmm. of which the science of hope is a field of study within positive psychology and if um if your re- listeners aren't familiar with positive psychology it's the antithesis to traditional psychology if traditional psychology is the science of decreasing sadness positive psychology is all about increasing wellness so from going instead of going from negative to neutral it's going from neutral to flourishing and when i learned of this science and power i felt so validated i took this word that is you know, the word hope, which we all recognize and can identify that butterfly feeling and found that there was science behind it and a process in the brain. And I could go on about the science of hope forever, but I won't. Um, But it really set me on the path of telling other people about it. I think hope has a PR problem and I aim to solve it. And so that's why I got into doing this kind of work. And so I was working with individuals and I still work with individuals on sort of personal empowerment, but using positive psychology as the basis for that work. And started to do these wellness webinars in organizations. And they were awesome. They were so fun. People responded really well to them. And then this thing called the global pandemic happened. And organizations, you know, rightfully so, you know, collapsed in amongst them on themselves, really focused on how do we keep our businesses going, stopped inviting people into their workplaces, stopped, you know, um, engaging expensive consultants to do big programs to do really great work. But these big programs with expensive consultants kind of stopped, but then as the pandemic continued to roll and organizations recognized that the parallel or secondary pandemic that was happening was this mental health pandemic, especially in the workplace. they started to look for alternatives to continue to support their people, which is awesome. Um, and but they still weren't wanting to spend these big dollars and bring in these big consultants. So that's why I started Mental Health in Minutes. It filled that gap. It's a price point that is feels comfortable. A um, a functional manager usually has that kind of control over this dollar amount for their, for their people. So they can make an immediate impact on their people. They don't have to wait for HR or a senior executive to make these big programs and roll it out to the whole organization. They can, they can make an immediate impact and connect with their people and it's digitally delivered. So it goes from a, on a scale of full on hands-on for me or total hands-off you leaders, I train you how to, how to create them or, um, deliver the material and you can just go in and use it to have conversations with your people. So it really filled that gap that organizations were looking for. And now, as we continue to roll into this, uh, new world of work y- using air quotes, nobody can see, but as this new world of work, um, it's really it's really helping to normalize mental health conversations at work, and I love it. It's 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 been so good, so rewarding, um, and organizations seem to really
1: appreciate it. Wow! And for context for listeners, what kind of topics do you cover? Because it's such a broad area.
0: Mm-hmm. So well, traditionally, when people think of mental health at work, often we think about mental illness, so maybe anxiety or depression yeah. or stress management, and all of that is totally real and totally present and only a very small piece of mental health because if we think about mental health it's really anything that's not our physical health and in fact those two things both physical health and mental health are so tightly entwined and we're learning more about that every day that it's really all about your overall health so the topics we talk about are things like burnout and boundaries um, flow and productivity uh, psychological safety for hybrid teams um we're I'm doing some um some new releases around uh, bullying and unconscious bias, things like this that really affect how you show up at work and how comfortable you feel to be there and, um, and innovate and, and be creative and have tenacity and all of those things. So any, any topic that will help you and, and an organization create psychological safety in the workplace.
1: Brilliant. Well, like I said at the start, it's just such an important area. After all we've been through, um, what do you actually provide to mm-hmm. people who buy or, or take up the subscription?
0: Yeah, so it is it is a digital subscription, mm-hmm. and I produce a new module of content every single month on a on a new particular topic. So when an organization or a leader purchases a, a module, they get a sixty minute version of the material. They get four 15-minute versions, five five five-minute versions, (laughs) plus um, a weekly email with additional resources, workbooks, um, checklists email, invitation templates, you know, swipe files, all of the things. And the whole point of providing it in all of those different formats is to meet an organization where it's at. So if you, if you are a leader and you feel like heaven help me, if I need to add another meeting to my calendar, (laughs) awesome. You can, you can add a five minute one slide, um, at the beginning of your operations meeting and call it a safety share. You know, it's, you can, the 15 minutes, I have clients that use the 15 minute versions as um, personal development or professional development for their team members. So in a team meeting, weekly team meeting you're having anyway, they will encourage a team member to deliver that 15 minute version to their colleagues. So you're teaching your peers this kind of stuff. So, or if you want to do a monthly lunch and learn, cool. I can meet you where that, meet you at that place too. So the whole idea is to just make this the way organizations speak with this kind of language with this kind of knowledge and to really just keep conversation going and help to normalize normalize Mm. this kind of work
1: at work gosh you just took me back to a a daily safety stand-up meeting i used to 10 years ago in a a big corporate office environment so office spaced and everyone had to do safety shares but you can imagine with whatever it is, number of people in the room and it's a daily event, um, you're running pretty low on content. As in, I nearly slipped coming into work because there was a leaf on the footpath on the sidewalk. Um, you can only repeat that one so many times. So I, I love the fact that it's divided into, not, over, on not only different topics, but um, delivery methods as in length of presentation, single slide, full presentations, etc. cetera. It's editable, right? It's not just PDF, is that correct?
0: That's right. It comes in a PowerPoint and a word or, and a PDF. It also comes with the speaker's notes. So with a little bit of training, a little bit of support, anyone can deliver this material. Um, I can deliver it. Leaders can deliver it. Colleagues can deliver it because you could, you could literally just read the speaker's notes and feel comfortable to do it. Or because it's editable, you can make it your own, but it gives you those prompts. Um, and the part about bringing or, um, creating that content, it's, probably the number one thing I hear from leaders, mm-hmm. two things I hear from leaders. One, I don't have time to create all this content and do the research and figure out all the answers. So it's nice to just have this in your back pocket to pop in when you're asked to do your daily safety share. Um, and it, because there's five different options, if you have a you know a one weekend or one meeting per week, you've got content for the whole month. Um, and then I would say that the number two challenge that that leaders say to me is, I don't know how to have these conversations. I don't know how to bring up these topics. Well, putting a one minute safety share at the beginning of an operations meeting, all of a sudden, you've got a way to open the door to those conversations.
1: I'm curious, at the formation stage of this business, how did you work out exactly what that package would look like? A, why not just go down the course or buy a package of of content one-off Uh, path or going the other way, which is the monthly subscription, how do you choose what goes in there? What kind of formats and the topics like, was there research involved or feedback given? How did you approach that side of things?
0: Yes. So trial and error for sure. Uh Um, I took my own previous experience doing these wellness webinars in the workplace um, and kind of what clients asked for afterwards, you know, we'd go in and we'd do these one hour lunch and learns and then leaders would say, great, now what? You know, my people are motivated, they're inspired, they want to take action on these things, and I don't have anything else to give them. So that was part of it. And then when I created it, I sort of created the beta test. Um, I went and asked HR leaders and functional line level leaders and said, Here's what I've got. How do you think this could fit into your organization? Given what you, how you operate on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, do you think that this would fit? And if it doesn't, what would be better? What would encourage you to actually use this information? Um, I wanted to make it easy for leaders. I didn't want them to have to think about yet another task on their task list. I wanted it to just be super simple um, and and really, really easy, not not to take a whole bunch of time because goodness knows they have way better ways to spend their time than creating PowerPoint text.
1: (laughs) Um, The word easy jumps out at me and for for a particular reason i think that is going to be uh, for companies businesses in the professional services area in the hr world let's say i think that's just going to become more and more important to make services easier or to strip out pain points because there's so much competition out there and you know lots of companies are offering a similar end result so what's in the middle it's how it's delivered how is a service or a product delivered so You've mentioned the word easy. I, I I know from what I've seen of the product, you've even gone to the point of, if someone needs to, if a manager needs to call their team together to have one of these briefings, you've given them the email template to send out. You know, just fill in the gap, and away you go. That is really really smart. So for people listening to this, if you're thinking of doing something similar in your HR space or comp compen benefits or whatever it may be, I think that's a really key message. Is that Yes, strip out the pain points, make it easier. Can I just ask something about around what you mentioned is getting that feedback and asking HR leaders about what they needed and stuff? Because I know that in the HR business world, people want to get that kind of feedback for their own services. So as I said, if you're a compens, compensation and benefits consultant or an HR generalist, you want to work out what kind of services to offer, how do you actually get in touch with them? Or what's the the ask: How do you approach them and say, "Can I get your feedback on something?" And is it in person? Is it on LinkedIn? How did you do that?
0: Excellent question. Um, so, in some cases, it was a personal referral. So, someone in my network had said, "Hey, this is a really cool idea. My sister's brother's aunt's cousin is a HR professional. Would you like me to make an introduction and you can run this idea by them?" Um, nice. I also. So I'm a psychological health and safety advisor, which Mm -hmm. I'm trained by the Canadian Mental Health Association. And so I approached the CMHA and said, here's what I've done with the training you've given me. What do you think? Do you think that this would be useful in our world, in our industry, with your clients? And I asked their opinion about that. Asking for an opinion without like with zero intention of a sale, I think is really, really, really super key. And then asking them, who else can I show this to, you know, mm-hmm. who else do you think might benefit or who, who else do you, who, who else's opinion do you value that I could uh, that I could also uh, get their expert thoughts on, you from know, a
1: learning perspective. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely approach it from a learning perspective, have zero ulterior motive, um, you know, assumed or otherwise. And, um, and I would say, I use my personal network and ask for recommendations. If I'm going to cold call someone, um, I definitely use LinkedIn a lot more than I ever used to. I think HR professionals are very active on LinkedIn these days, which I think is awesome. I think the, um, uh, the professionalism of LinkedIn is even increasing even mm-hmm. more than it ever was before. I think we're yeah. all using it more often the last couple of years than we were in the past and it's, um, it's usefulness is definitely improved. Yep. Um, and I think people are responsive to LinkedIn messages instead of getting lost in email. Yeah. Um, but definitely those warm connections, asking for those warm connections has been the key to success for sure.
1: That's great advice. Yep. And so how did you decide to go for the subscription model versus selling a large package of content for the full year? How did you choose the subscription version? And then how did you work or land upon the pricing model that you went for?
0: Yeah. So I I don't want to trade time for money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Truly. I want to be able to impact more people the better. Um you know we talked about easy. I want to make it s- self-delivered if organizations want to do that and I want them to be able to de- to depend on me if they want that. So the digital subscription was really a way to do both. You know I have a client facing uh website where you log in and then you can just pick your module, every month you get, you know, your credits delivered, you pick your module and then everything you need is right there. Even if you engaged me to deliver the 60 minute version as an example, as a kickoff. So some clients will have me do that. All the rest of it is still there for you. You can access it at any time. So that digital delivery was the best of both worlds, regardless of how much involvement a client wanted for me. It also feels good to a corporate Client, you know, lots of online business owners have um, fancy websites and fancy delivery methods and things like that. But sometimes corporates not really used to that. Yeah. Um, they're used to more manual delivery or these big traditional consulting firms coming in and doing the things. And so it's kind of impressive for HR people when they see the front end of my website and the <sighs> digital delivery, which also feels good. I'm I'm proud of of the ease of use and and how that goes. You know, the hmm. the quality. The quality of my material is is high, um, mm-hmm. to be frank, um, which is cool.
1: The design so, is amazing, absolutely. Well, thank
0: you. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, you know it's resonating really well, and it 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 feels really approachable, which is kind of the point, right? That people uh, the stigma of mental health is high. People don't want to talk about it, but if the branding and the content feels comfortable-ish,
1: <laughs> then <laughs> it just
0: you know it makes those conversations a little bit yeah. easier.
1: Yeah. Um, and what about the price the, point? How did yeah?
0: Yeah, as far as the price point goes, um, I do think it's low at the minute. But I also, like I say, I want to impact the most people, so I wanted to make the price point approachable. Um, so it's a thousand dollars a month or ten thousand a year. So you get a discount for buying all twelve months at a time. And the and it's regardless of the number of people in your company, the number of employees in your company, it's not a per user basis, it's a per module basis. So if you have, let's say 500 people in your company and they all wanna learn about burnout this month, cool, $1,000. If you have 500 people and someone, one group wants to learn about burnout and one wants to learn about boundaries, great, $2,000, because it's $1,000 per module. I made it this price point for two reasons. One, because I wanna make it accessible. But two, I want to make it accessible for those middle managers who want to make an immediate impact. $10,000 in a year to support your people. A lot of middle managers have that span of control in their own budget. They can make decisions and approval around $10,000. And then they can see the immediate impact. To their people, they can see how they're making those connections, how they're supporting, how they're encouraging psychological safety in their workplace. It that that feeling of controlling what you can control was really important to me. Yeah,
1: that's brilliant. So,
0: yeah, that's how I that's how I came up with uh, with the pricing. I think over time, as we add more content and yeah. you know more things, I think the pricing will change. But for now, that's yeah, that's what it's at.
1: I love it. No, it's great. So what are you doing to grow the business?
0: So um, I have kind of three growth strategies. So I have a affiliate referral program. So if you, um, listener, if you have a client you think would be interested in this, you know, if you make a connection between me and your client, and then I go do the work to make the sale, I will give you a portion of that sale. Mm-hmm. I have a strategic partnership model where there's a little more um, involvement from both of us. So, you know, your client, my product, and we have a relationship, an ongoing relationship in that way. So often I'll work with these big HR consulting firms or, um, independent learning and development advisors who have complementary products to mine. And we, you know, we deliver, we deliver uh, a nice well-rounded program together. And then in 2023, I'm also going to start to franchise this work. So opening it up to more markets, to more organizations and supporting supporting a franchisee with the branding and the content and the marketing and sales and allowing them to run their own business um in their own market and, and things like that. So wow, that's very my-
1: exciting. Yeah,
0: it is very exciting. Yeah. It's a little um, bit
1: scary. I mean, you're giving up
0: terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying because uh you're right. I I have I like to say I'm a control enthusiast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, um, definitely it is, uh, it is a bit terrifying, but again, back to the goal of educating the world on this stuff, I want to make it as accessible to as many people. And if I'm just one person in one small company doing the things that's not scalable. So I'd like to get other passionate people involved in helping to do the work.
1: And, and sorry, why franchise model? Is that so that you can open up to different jurisdictions, in you know, different countries, and they would then tailor it for their local content? Is it the idea? Or-
0: yes, but also, so I considered licensing versus franchising, and the difference being more of that span of control. I want to, I, the brand is really important to me. You know, like like you mentioned, it's a clear, approachable brand. It's a clear approachable content. I want to maintain, make sure that that is maintained, that reputation in the marketplace is maintained. And with franchising, there's much more structure around that. There's much more, um, truly control over how it shows up in the marketplace. Uh, also a franchisee can feel much more supported because the obligations of me as corporate head office are, are much stronger as well. You know, I I need to make sure that the marketing is on point and that you're getting content all the time. The technical delivery is supported and all of those kinds of things, which falls under the franchise model, as opposed to the licensee model, where you are more free to deliver how you would like, which is cool, but then the branding might get skewed a little or there, you know, there's, there's, there's just more risk there. Um, And, yeah, the value, the high quality and the, and the value is, is really important.
1: And I suppose there is some element of uh, personal interaction, as in some live training, coaching, is that right? And that henceforth, that's why you would then uh, franchise out as opposed to just running ads everywhere and yeah. just having it downloadable.
0: Yeah, so there is, um, and, and it's optional, the live delivery um, where we have been, we at Mental Health and Minutes will do the delivery for an organization. That is an option, but not every client will choose that either. Sometimes yeah. they will okay. just, we'll train them to yeah. do the delivery. Um, but yeah, having us do the delivery, especially the 60-minute version mm-hmm. often happens, or we'll do a 20-minute kickoff at the beginning of the month or something that really sets them up. Um, again, opens the door to that conversation. yeah. The balance yeah. Of the month. yeah.
1: Uh, so you mentioned affiliate strategic partners franchise model in in the, the year ahead i guess but for people listening to this how would they work out what they are so or maybe i can explain for people listening affiliates is, is typically where you get a, a special link created and you might write an article about the service and if people click that link and they go and sign up then you get a percentage of that sale uh, a strategic partnership is where you work together and you build a program together or you try and reach a, a whale a large corporate uh in a fortune 500 company together and then you share the the revenue in, in a different way and then the franchise is almost like a separate business that you're buying into like a McDonald's um so that's probably an accurate description is that mm-hmm. right for people listening yeah
0: yeah that felt that felt really accurate <laughs>
1: um and all three are great by the way uh, for people listening all, all three can work for businesses so um it's worth considering for your own and and worth considering partnering with mental health and minutes you, you run a podcast as well Lindsay um what, what do you do. how do you find that? In terms of I love growth. my
0: podcast. I have two podcasts actually. Um so I have one called Mental Health in Minutes, not just a clever name. Um <laughs> and then the other one is called Hope Motivates Action. And that's more on the positive psychology, hope side of the business. But on yeah. my Mental Health in Minutes podcast, um it's got three it's got three objectives. One is to uh truly open the door to conversations about mental health at work. Uh, the second is to engage senior leadership in the conversation, because sometimes the gap between the frontline people, the, the functional level leaders that, that gap or that need sometimes gets, uh, is large sometimes gets lost that gets lost in translation a little bit. And then the third objective is to discuss the future of mental health in the workplace. What does it look like as we continue to evolve this work, um, as, as employees continue to demand this life work integration and, uh, feeling psychologically safe and having those boundaries around their workday and control over their role and all of that kind of thing. So each episode, tries to hit at least one, if not all of those objectives. And I interview um, professionals in this space that are helping organizations to move the needle on mental health at work. And I speak to organizations that are doing it and they talk about their journey and where they started and how they got there. Um, and then I also speak to specific, um, you know, organizational psychologists and uh, Other workplace mental health experts who actually give us the language and mm-hmm. help us to understand how the language of mental health at work is continuing to evolve and um, with scripts and and actual, you know, again, like swipe files and things like that, that really help to support leaders.
1: Bruned. Yeah, I heard the uh, episode with um, Al Polizzi actually on the tactics for overcoming overwhelm. So great episode. So people listening to this, go and check out the podcast. Absolutely. Both podcasts. Yeah, because I think you've done a great job. And do you find it helps with business growth?
0: For sure. Um, yeah. My mental health minutes is definitely strategic in the sense that I go and ask p- cool people who are doing cool things if they'd like to come on the show. Yeah. And that gives me exposure to them yeah. and their information. But then also, you know, when they share the episode to their network, that helps to, yeah. you know, further my, um, further my reach as well, Absolutely. which is very nice. Yeah. Um, and it always things, feels yeah. good. To be asked to be a guest. Sorry to interrupt. Um, you know, like you asked me to be a guest and it feels good that yeah. other people are seeming to value the information out there. So I haven't uh, I haven't had many people turn me down, which is nice, which is really nice.
1: That's great. Yeah. Podcasting is, is pretty much one of the first things I recommend for with new clients. And as you've kind of alluded to, it's got so many different benefits. You get to share your own in-house knowledge. You get to meet influencers. You get to meet potential clients. It's a, it's a range of things. So yeah, I commend you for that. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. If people want to learn more about you and mental health in minutes, what should they do next?
0: I am everywhere at mentalhealthinminutes.com or I'm Lindsay at mentalhealthinminutes.com. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, the, I'm only one of two Lindsay Rechnals on LinkedIn, so I'm easy mm-hmm. to find. And I'd love to have a conversation about building your business, about bringing Mental Health and Minutes uh, into your company, how we can work together. I'm absolutely, I'd love to have these kinds of conversations and I will have them all day long, every day. So <laughs> please, I'd love to hear from you.
1: Fabulous. Excellent. Well, in that case, Lindsay, thank you very much for sharing your story, your advice. And I just wish you uh, all the best for Mental Health and Minutes. It's a brilliant business and um, it looks like it'll go brilliantly well in the future. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you so, so much. It's been uh, quite amazing to speak with you today. Thanks for the invitation.